and just started the podcast number two for our audio version. So thanks to coming in and listening to this show. The marathon is underway, and we hope you're enjoying a lot to go. Still a lot of live interviews before we get our first taped interview of the week of the show. So we hope you'll join us. Twitter at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All right, so we're now going to start going into our WBCA segment. Uh, we always have one once a week on this show uh, on Thursdays primarily. And joining us on the city of Sa- or on the city of Salem Hoopsville Hotline as part of the WBCA Center Court. It's one of those we talk about often when we talk about the WBCA and now about championships. And of course, in the Great Lakes, joining us it is Dixie Jeffers from Capital Coach. Thanks for taking the time and joining us here. Really uh, neat fun, and uh, it's going really well into it earlier, and things sound great. Thanks, Coach. I appreciate that. Um, again, when it comes to the WBCA, we talk about you often. Coming up later, Danielle Donahue will be on the show in a pre-taped segment, and she certainly talks about you and the efforts that you make not only in the WBCA but at Capital University and in the Columbus area. I joke, maybe we need to rename Columbus either uh, Jeffersonville um, or or we could go with something else, uh, Dixieland maybe, or Dixieville. Uh, you are synonymous with what the NCAA now is doing in Columbus and what the Columbus is doing with the NCAA. You're synonymous now in trying to improve the women's game, especially at the WBCA level. What does it mean for you to have not only your hands in all of these uh, hats, as it were, but at the same time being recognized for your contributions? Well, I'm totally honored, but I look at this as me giving back to the game. Um, I've been very blessed, especially early in my career, with incredibly talented people, and things went my way um, several times. And we've been very successful. And I love the game, and I'm worried about the game because I I want it to uh, continue to grow. And I think we're a little stale right now, and uh, we just need to do some things a little bit differently. And I want D3 to be recognized as D2 is recognized, as D1 is recognized. And I think... A couple of years ago when we did the semifinals here that we did an incredible job and we did change things. That was my goal was to change things moving forward for Division Three and getting people to recognize the things that we should be doing. We've been doing a really good job. We can do an even better job for these kids. Well, and that's the theme I hear from a lot of people like yourself, and I certainly uh, can't disagree with you. We'll talk about uh, their, her team in just a moment, but you know, being part of the WBCA segment, we, we certainly don't want to, to take the opportunity and miss, I should say, the opportunity of chatting with you with far other things. You're involved with so much, uh, Dixie, whether it's from these championships or the WBCA or even in the recent article by Ryan Scott about trying to get more women coaches in, especially women's sports. What does it mean to you when you see, we'll start with that topic, you see the decrease in coaches for women or, or women's coaches in women's sports and also maybe coaches missing out on opportunities, maybe for very innocent reasons? You know, I, I have a great passion that I think women should coach women. Um, I, don't, I don't want to take away that there are some really good men coaches out there because there are. Yeah. But what people need to understand is it's about relationships, and it's about more than the W's and the L's. And I know I've won a lot of W's, but I'm telling you, it's the relationships and how we impact these kids' lives and how we move them forward. And, you know, really, you know, you talk to a lot of different student athletes from Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and 
some kids think that they're missing those relationships. They're missing that connection with their head coach or their coaching staff to help them through some personal problems. Um, it saddens me because there are some really, really great that getting passed over. I think they're getting passed over for reasons that I can't understand, and I'm just trying to get the conversations to open up about why. Why is this happening? What can we do better? And I and I know Danielle's doing a great job at the WBCA, and that's some of the topics that come into the um, at our national convention coming to Columbus is you know how to be a head coach, and things need to start to be opened up. Things need to be start to talk about, and women need to understand that women need to to, to support women. And women need to start to advocate and understand how to network. And that's something that I think we're getting better at. And because of the mentoring program that Danielle and her staff has implemented at the WBCA, I think that's helping us. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the other aspect of this is is uh, we'll talk with more with Danielle about those mentoring programs and professional development programs. But it's trying to also position these coaches in the best position possible. And, and another thing that's starting to evolve here, seeing more and more women as assistant coaches on men's programs, I'm sure that's helping. And, and by the way, I should point out in Ryan's article that some of the student athletes on those men's teams not even thinking about the fact that it's a woman on the staff. A lot of that is helping change the course, too, and, and maybe change the, the equation. Yeah, our so-called millennials are more acceptance of that. Yeah. And they are, and that's great. Um, I know that the kids around here on the men's basketball team, I can go up and say anything I want to say to them and, and talk to them a little bit, and I've got a great relationship with them. And there is no, there is no gender bias, so to speak. But it just if you look at the statistics and you look what's going on across the country, it does appear that way. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting story. Ryan did a great job on it. If there was one thing, maybe you said it, but if there's one thing you're trying to drive home to, whether it be administrators or fellow coaches or whatever, about trying to get more women who deserve. And I remember a story, and I don't know who told me, about how you know you could have four women's coaches as finalists who are – all of experience being head coaches or assistants, and then you get that one head men's guy in there who's only had maybe a couple of years of assistance, and the men's guy gets it. It's it's confusing. What's the message maybe you want to drive home to these individuals about hiring that would help, and without maybe putting a rule in place, if that makes any sense? I don't think there's any rules. I just think it's called common sense. Yeah. I think it's, it's common sense, and I think to put a young man that has played in college but has never coached women, has never been a head coach, to say, you're going to be my head women's coach, I think that's a slap in the face. I really think it tells a lot about that institution, and I think you're going to have trouble recruiting to that institution because kids are getting smarter. Because, the, you know, look, everybody gets to the Internet, everybody's going to social media, and they're seeing what emphasis those in universities are putting on their women's programs. And to me, that says, hey, we had somebody that I liked more about personal relationship, and I just put him in there. He'll do okay. And I think that's what bothers me sure. more than anything because the kids deserve more than that. Um, we we are educators. We're teachers, and we teach the game. The game's just a small piece of it yeah. because we're teaching life skills. Yeah, that's a fair point. It is about life skills, and it's about also showing your players that you know you can get a job like this, and it won't be an, an obvious decision or a different different direction. But as you said, a lot of good men's coaches out there, so we don't want to necessarily. No, uh, I'm, I'm not bashing on the men. Yeah, exactly. The males, no. the males do a great job, and there's some males that truly belong in the game and do an incredible job, and are there for the right reasons. Yeah, but I there agree are with you. some that are not. Yeah, no, I agree with you entirely. 
Um, the other aspect is these championships, Dixie. Uh, Columbus is turning into a bit of a championship city. Uh, D1, so D2, excited. and D3. You got D3 is coming. Uh, D1's coming this year. D1's this year. Yep. Then the D3 in 2020. Right. I heard someone say we're going to give Dixie at least a year off uh, before we <laughs> we uh, invade the town again. Of course, you were called on a couple years ago when when D3 needed a Final Four home to uh, host, and you guys did an amazing job. What does it mean to you as a D3 coach that even D1s are turning to you to some degree like, hey, help us show this city out. You know how to make this work in women's basketball. Well, you know, it's a compliment. It's a compliment, and it's a compliment that we do things the right way, and I'm going to take it that way. I have a great relationship with the people of the WBCA, and every time they've called on me, no matter how full my plate was, I made time for them because of the cause and for what we can do with the change. And what we've got going on in Columbus is really, really exciting. Um, I can't tell you how exciting. They have uh, the sports commission here. Linda Logan and her team has been amazing. And... Uh, We've been the NCAA has been in town every month and several times um, since then, and we meet often every once a month since last spring. We've been meeting, and um, it's just we're we're almost ready to sell out. There's a few hundred tickets left, and we're going to sell out. That's amazing. Um, considering how you know D1 is certainly popular, we'll talk more about Danielle with that as well. But you're even doing it on the D3 side of things, and and everybody's turning to you. Is Columbus? quietly turning into a little bit of an NCAA hub, like we've gotten to know Salem on the D3 side, but on a different scale? Boy, we hope so. Yeah? We hope so. Is yeah, that the we goal? we really do. That's the goal. Okay. We, you know, when I approached Linda Logan two years ago and said, listen, I said, I'm on the national committee um, for women's basketball D3. I want to you know, collaborate with you guys. Will you help me back this tournament? And she said, you, we certainly will, and we're going to go after D2, too, because we want the D1 here. And they had been, they just had been named the D1 site for this coming year. When I approached her and I said, this would be really cool to get all three here. Mm. And so we collaborated together and things together, and we, we really did knock it out of the park. I know that sounds a little arrogant on my oh, part. Oh, go for it. It was a team. It was a team effort. And to watch those kids be bussed by a police escort downtown Columbus to COSI gave me chills. And I still get a little chill, choked up about it because. It was very cool. Very cool. Um, you take a lot of pride in that stuff. You take a lot of pride in showing off student-athletes. You take a lot of pride in showing off the game, especially at the Division three level. Uh, that is more than obvious in not only your and I interactions, but in your voice as well as we talk to you now. Um, where did that love of all this come from? Well, I grew up in small-town America. Actually, the name was Mount Victory. And population like 500 is two consolidated schools, and I had six brothers who pounded on me all the time because <laughs> I was next to the youngest. And yeah. we lived out far out of town, so we lived in the in the farm area. So we had that old Hoosier look, the, the you know basket. We'd yeah. go out there and play. And so that's where the love, the love for athletics, the love for the game. Um, you know, the thing is that people don't, and people, some people have lost sight of. When you play a sport, you can really lose yourself into it and forget about everything else that's going on. And, and I grew up in a very good situation, but I loved imagining those commercials where the kids say five, four, three, two, one, and hit the last basket. I'd go out and do those things all the time. And I love the game. I see the impact that it has on young women. I've been through the evolution of young women 
um, having self-esteem problems and coming up and through and being a part of helping change that and being an important factor and a difference maker for them. And I want other women to continue that for my kids, kids coming through. And it's just something that we, even as Americans, need to do is just keep giving back because that's what we're about. We're giving loving people, and we just need to keep giving. I know that sounds a little cliche and a little mushy, but that's how I feel. No, not at all, and especially from someone who – who is so as respected as you are in the game. Uh, and, and it's great to hear that you fell in love with it, kind of the way Larry Bird fell in love with it, or, or others um, who had those true roots to the game, as it were. You're coaching at D3, and you've been a coach for a long time at D3. Have you ever been tempted to do what Nancy Faye did in the offseason, and that's move on to somewhere else? You know, I have had offers to move on throughout my career, and um, it was tempting, but I had my kids at the time, and – D3 allows me to have it all. And if I would have went D1, I know I would have embraced myself into it because I wouldn't have been satisfied of just being average. I would have worked my tail off, and I wanted to be a mother, and I wanted to have functional kids. And that's the route I took, and that was my mindset. And I have no regrets at all. I love this division. Um, These kids don't expect as much, and they work just as hard and they're fun. I mean, the game's a game, and every time somebody wins a national championship, no matter what level, I know how that feels when those kids are running out there and coaches are embracing and experiencing all that. It's just it's a great feeling. Uh, it's great that we have you in Division Three, though I, the Nancy Fay reference, and always, you almost wonder when we may lose you, but at the same time, uh, you're such been an advocate for WBCA and women's basketball in some way. It doesn't matter where you are. You seem to be one of those that even I've heard reference to Christy Thomas Cuddy of late. It does better for the for the game as a whole. Does better for your fellow coaches as a whole. Um, where do you get the drive though, Dixie? I mean, you're, you're you're so involved with so many things now. I'm blessed with an unbelievable amount of energy, and um, it is a blessing. And I'm try to keep, you know, eat right and keep myself in shape and so forth. And, you know, it, if you're committed to something, it's not work. I'm committed to this game. I'm committed to the people I surround myself because I'm surrounded with people like Linda Logan. I'm surrounded by people like my current staff and people that I mentor to and Danielle Donahue and her staff. I mean, when you're surrounded by good people, the energy just keeps coming and keeps coming. And you feed off of one another for the good of the game. For it's 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 a commitment and it's a drive, yes, but it's a passion. And if you have a passion, why not? No, I understand that entirely. Um, I, so let's talk about the team really quick, if you don't mind. Um, you always also, on top of everything else, have a pretty darn good competitive squad. Uh, that seems to be as synonymous as you doing best for the game as well. Um, 11 and 9 this season, though, may not be as great as you probably would love in a 7 and 6 overall but it's you're still in the race you've also got some really tough teams ahead of you ohio northern's having an incredible season marietta's having a breakthrough season baldwin wallace and otterbein even mount union still showing the way uh it, is this a season you thought you did you figure you guys might struggle a little more than you normally do or is or or are you um hoping for better as the season finishes well, we're in a pretty good flow right now, and we lost five kids in our program right. this year with all upperclassmen. So we fought injuries, 
and we, it is what it is. And then we've been we start two freshmen, a sophomore, a senior, and a junior, and then the rest are all freshmen. And we played two other sophomores, and so um, we just knocked off a high northern um, this past weekend. So I feel really good about that, um, and it was a decisive win. And our kids played incredibly well. Uh, we won last night again by a, a big margin and played well. But we're starting to understand that we've dropped four or five games this year yeah. late in the fourth because we didn't have a finish. So I'm good where we are right now. We'd all like to be better, but I really am invested in this group of kids. These kids are special. And remember that I said that. I will. Because in about a couple of years, you're going to say you were right, Dixie Jeffers, because they are special. <laughs> they got great work habits. And they, they're very good athletes, and they pay attention, and they have a passion for the game. Well, about a half a dozen of those games have been, what, a couple points, a couple possessions? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can see how you, you're right in the conversation. Of course, big, tough stretch ahead. Mount Union and Marietta on the road, then home against Baldwin-Wallace, and my computer there finally catching up. Uh, Wilmington at home and then finishing up on the road at John Carroll. So still in the race, still in the conversation, and we wish you luck and thank you uh, for what you do for the game and your contributions to it. Um, I know there are many coaches will speak highly of you, even if they've never met you. um, They speak highly of you. So I thank you for joining us on the WBCA Center Court segment. As always, we give our coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? And my final thoughts are that the women need to get involved and you need to step out of your comfort zone and start to mentor and start to network. And my, my comments to you are, thank you for what you do for the division three. Um, you've helped change things. And huge. And yeah, I think you have a clear perspective on things and you report honestly. And I appreciate that. And I hope to hear many more of your sentence. Good luck for the rest of the day. Well, thank you, Coach. That's awfully kind words of yours. Uh, I appreciate them as well. Look forward to running into you somewhere down the road soon. In the meantime, take care, enjoy the season, and we'll look forward to seeing Columbus in the spotlight coming up at the Final Four. It's going to be a great time. We're looking forward to hosting you all. I'm sure it is. Take care, Coach. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Dixie Jeffers joining us from Capitol in the city of Salem. Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, she is one of the, the heavy haulers in Division Three and women's basketball. She's got a lot of other people who are the same, but Dixie deserves a tip of the hat, to say the least. Teams in the race, we'll see how they, uh, the rest of the season progresses for them. We wish them all the luck on the way. We're a little bit behind schedule, so we're going to get going. Coming up, a must-listen-to segment. We're going to be joined by Claire Marburger from Luther. She is one of the student-athletes on the women's basketball team talking about her fight against clinical depression, to be honest, and why that should be a conversation in the forefront of everybody's uh, days, whether it be coaches, whether it be other students, whether it be administrators, whoever. Claire Margerberger joins us here on the show. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. A lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. 
That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this marathon as we keep tickling along on this day. It is 2.30 Eastern time, which means we're four and a half hours into this beast, seven and a half hours to go. What are you doing with your day? I joke, I could babysit your kids. I could babysit you, maybe. Keep you entertained if you need some entertainment. Uh, since we'll be here until 10 o'clock Eastern tonight, don't forget we finish things up with the Hoopsville Happy Hour in the final hour. We will be joined by a Probably a motley crew of those talking Division Three. Uh, I already know a few of them on tap, but I won't want to necessarily promise that they'll be there. But hopefully we'll have some fun talking. Ryan Scott will probably join us if he's able, along with some others. And we'll talk Division Three and answer a lot of your questions. This may be one of the most important segments we have on the show today because it's about a topic we're not talking about enough. Student-athletes, let's be honest, are in their most critical points of their lives or leaving the nest, as it were, of a childhood and being a teenager with their parents, even if they've gone to a prep school that takes them away from school. They then go into college the first time they're out on their own, and they're dealing with a lot. It's a topic that more and more administrators are starting to understand. It's depression. How do you deal with it? There's a lot of stories out there of how it's been a challenge um, and so on and so forth. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's a junior from Luther who was a part of a, a tremendous expose um, on this topic because she brought it to our attention. That is the most imp impressive part of this. And joining us is Claire Marburger from Luther. And Claire, thanks for taking the time for talking with us. Yeah, no problem. We should point out again, uh, a great story um, that Nathan Ford did for us in our Around the Region um, talking with you um, and, and getting a chance to, to learn more about you and your battle with clinical depression. I got this sense from the story. I got the sense for a very quick conversation with you, but knowing you from afar, you wanted this to be a topic that people talked about. You no longer wanted this to be in the closet, as it were, or in the shadows, as it were, of, of everyday life. 
Yeah, um, I think it's important that uh, athletes that are going through this know that it's not just them. Um, that was one of my um, toughest things is that even though I knew I wasn't going through it, other people were going through it. As I was battling it, it felt like I was alone. So I think it's an important topic to bring to everyone's attention because you never know what someone's going through. Yeah, that's the interesting thing is, it, let's be honest, there's a number of student athletes that are probably dealing with, with clinical depression, and they never really officially stop dealing with it to some degree. It's always there. I'm sure you could speak better than I. Yeah. Um, I think I've dealt with my own versions of depression over the years, but I, who knows what its depths have been. But you as a student athlete in college, when you need to be on your game academically, you're a student athlete, you need to be on your game athletically. Whatever else you need to do, you need to be at 100% at all times. This has got to be not only a very tough thing to deal with from a personal point of view, but it's the worst time thing to deal with at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's easy to go day to day and just put on a face, but then you find yourself back in your dorm room and there's nothing there to distract you from those thoughts or those feelings. Um, so it, it's a very tough, uh, tough thing to go through, but um, you find the right people in that right support system um, and they help you along through it. Well, that was the thing I wanted. I was curious about. Did you have a support system there, or was it hard to make administrators, coaches, fellow students aware of what you were dealing with and, and handle it in a way that was going to be helpful for you? Um, I, I battled my toughest fight when I was at Central, and um, at that point I was kind of embarrassed to admit that I was struggling. I didn't want um, people to see or, like, I didn't want to feel that I was weak or I didn't want people seeing me as weak, um, which is definitely not <laughs> what it is. Um, but it, it's just something that I felt like um, I felt like they would see me as. Um, but uh, when I admitted that uh, to my teammates and stuff, they, they rallied around me. Um, I think it was tough for them because they, they didn't really know what to say or do. Um, but it was nice to know um, that I had a few um, good friends that when I was struggling, I could go talk to them about um, things that were happening and they could tell me it's going to be all right. We'll get through it. <clears throat> well, that's that's the most important part. One of the topics we'll talk with Danielle Downingham, the executive director of the WBCA coming up later. One of the topics they're going to have at the convention is someone on an ESPN reporter who wrote an incredible story about a, a student athlete who unfortunately I hate to say lost the battle with depression, but certainly uh, it, it got the best of her. And, and talking about this, finding resources for their fellow student-athletes, and maybe opening eyes to the fact that students deal with this and don't know how to tackle it or how to reach out for help. Or, as you say, get out of their rooms and yeah. find the distractions, as it were, which is hard to do as well, because sometimes I'm sure just sitting in the room is, is easier than, than finding a way out of it. What would you say that coaches, administrators, fellow students, parents, whatever, need to understand about your the battle or, on top of that, need to understand on how to help? Yeah, uh, the first thing is um, that the athlete has to come to them. Um, on their own time, they have to be able to admit it um, to themselves first and then um, to other people. And then um, for administrators and coaches, um, just maybe having like a weekly meeting or checking in every once in a while. But it's important for me that um, they can check in, but I don't want to, I didn't want to be treated any differently than I um, had been. I didn't want to look, be looked at any differently 
um, than I was before um, they knew that I was struggling with this. Um, just act as normal as you can, but um, check in every once in a while. It's nice to know that someone cares um, that is your coach or your administrator. Um, just be there. Um, be there as much as they need you or they want you, um, but make sure to check in every once in a while. You know, you said something interesting there. The you know, the player need, may need to reach out to the coach, but the coach mm -hmm. should also check in on them. Is it hard for a student athlete to have a coach constantly asking, are you okay? Is there, is there a fine line to that where they'll be open to it versus closed to it, if that makes any sense? Yeah. Um, it, it, for me, when they were constantly asking me if I was okay, if I had one bad day where I was maybe in a bad mood. I mean, that's, that's usual. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, there can be, it can be like, yeah, you know, I'm fine. I don't need to ask. Um, but like maybe every once in a while, but there's, there's days where I needed someone to talk to. And that's when I would reach out and say, Hey, can we sit down? I just need, um, to release these feelings to, um, just talk it out maybe. Um, but yeah, there's there's a point where asking continuously if I'm okay, um, it's like, okay, back off a little bit. Um, but at the same time, you appreciate um, knowing that someone is there. You say in the article with Nathan Ford that you don't tell this story for compassion. Um, yeah. What do you mean by that, and what's the ultimate goal, as it were? Um, I didn't want anyone to look down at me or feel sorry for me. I mean, I'm out there to compete. I'm out there um, huh. um, to win. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to release a story because it, um, it's nice. it was nice for me to know um, other athletes that were going through this um, and that got through it. Um, as I, I read a Players' Tribune um, article about mm -hmm. Brandon Marshall, someone mm -hmm. that is so elite, um, but still struggled with it. Yeah. Um, it kind of put into perspective for me that, um, you know, anyone can be going through this and I'm not alone and there's people around me that are going to support me and I'm in a good place, um, to get through this. Um, so I, I just wanted to tell the story so that people that might be going through it, um, feel comfortable finally admitting it to themselves because that's the first step in um, getting help in um, dealing with depression. How much did the depression affect your daily life? You talk about being in the classroom, and mm -hmm. or I'm mean, sorry, not the classroom, the your dorm room, and it's certainly rearing its head there. Um, yeah, how um, much did being in the class, being in, in, in practice and all that distract from it, or did that maybe help contribute to it in, to some degree as well? Yeah, um, Basketball was my escape, so um, going to basketball practice that let me just, you know, be normal for once. But um, my thoughts and my feelings, I was always so tired, and I felt like I walked around just like a zombie, just going through the motions, went to class, went back to my dorm room, slept a lot. Um, my dad wanted me to get out more, but my head was telling me I wanted to stay in my dorm where I was miserable. Um, so it, it did affect me, and it put me in situations where I wasn't going to get better, um, and I needed to get out of my room. I, I knew that, but um, at the same time, it was really hard to do that by myself. What finally broke you out? Um, I went to counseling. 
Okay. Um, did you figure that out, or did someone help you figure that out? Uh, which part? That you needed maybe counseling, or you needed to tackle what may have been depression. Uh, you know, I I finally figured that out after I had a huge breakdown. I um, I I tried to tell myself that I could deal with this by myself. Um, then I uh, finally um, I started talking to my physician, and she's like, hey. Um, you can go on meds or you can start counseling. I wasn't, um, I wasn't really interested in going on medicine. Um, and so I started counseling, um, where you started to be able to talk things out, um, just get everything out on the table. Um, and then it came to a time where counseling wasn't going to do it for me. So I, I, I do take medicine now to deal with it. Um, but the counseling, um, really, it just let me, to someone that doesn't know me outside of, um, out, outside of the counseling room um, and doesn't have, a, like, prior knowledge of who I am and doesn't care who I am as a basketball player, my success on the court, they don't care if I have a bad game or a good game. It was just nice to be able to talk things out with someone um, that, just knew me inside that room and was there strictly to help me. It's fascinating. I know you transferred in the middle of all this, and you mentioned being at Central earlier. Of course, Luther in the mm-hmm. same conference. How much was was that a help? How much um, was that maybe the reason that you you found a way? And I want to say out because depression is is not an easy thing to get away from, but mm-hmm. at least in the right direction. Yeah. Um. You know, I I really. I questioned myself on the decision. I wasn't 100% sure until I visited Luther, and I finally got to meet Coach Bailey. You know, she coached against me, against me, and <laughs> she kind of intimidated me. We were just laughing about that. But um, uh, I, I wasn't sure if it would help, um, but um, it has. And I, it's nice to um, – I'm, I'm on a team where the scoring is more shared, and I'm not, um, you know, trying to – put all that weight on my own shoulders. So that's um, been a, a huge help um, here at Luther. And just the girls and the new environment have really helped um, me through this. And um, I've, I've gotten out of my dorm room more, and I, I like to hang out. I found a lot of good friends here. Um, so that, that all has helped um, me deal with it. And, um, you know, I don't find myself often. I've got my days, but I don't find myself often. Um, just moping around or um, <laughs> dealing with the thoughts and feelings. Uh, I know that I, I know what you mean by the uh, moping around part. I, I get that. Yeah. Um, hey, teams fourteen and eight, eight and three in the conference, and uh, you know it's an interesting conference race to be sure. You're sitting in third. Um, mm-hmm. you, that's keeping you distracted to some degree, is it not? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to play in the conference tournament. Uh, we got a big road game here against Co. Who yeah. um, I think we're tied for yeah second um, in the league. Yep. So it's a big game. We've never played in that new gym of theirs. Yeah. So we're excited to take them on here on Saturday. Uh, you also have Wartburg ahead. Or you just not want to talk about Wartburg? Uh, yeah, Wartburg's <laughs> that big monster. But we got them Wednesday. We're excited to play them at home. Uh, Claire, I really appreciate you coming on the show and 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 your upfrontness about all this. I mean, I know a lot of people who you even utter the word that starts with a D and they. Mm-hmm shut down and you're willing to talk about it and try and help student athletes embrace if they're having an issue and administrators embrace if their students are having an issue. And I applaud you for that. 
especially considering the spotlight's on you anyway at Luther. Um, thanks for taking the time. I, I, this is going to be a little odd, but we always give the, the guest the final word. Any yeah, final no, um, thoughts you want to share with wanna, those out there? Yeah, I want to thank you for um, taking the time to talk about it, too. Um, it is not, it's not a, um, you know, a favorite topic, but um, I think it's important, and it's important for anyone that's struggling with it to know that they're not alone and to bring to light that there are people out there to help, and um, all you have to do is overcome that fear of what they'll think and uh, reach out themselves. Well put. I thank you for your time. Good luck. Uh, we know we still got a whole other season with you. We're, we're looking forward to that as well. But good luck the rest of this season, and we'll look forward to, to following Luther and your uh, successes as, as, as your career moves on. And, and thanks again for being so open. Yep, thank you. That is Claire Marburger joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Tremendous topic. I thank her for, for talking about it. And, again, we'll talk more about uh, the efforts that WBCA is making, at least for their coaches, coming up later in the show. Going to take another break when we come back. We'll keep up the student-athlete conversation with one who's giving back to his community. Um, but, in the meet, but first, we'll also talk to another who's trying to find a way to help his coach. So that's what Hannah comes up, and we talk about that tie that's been hanging over my shoulder. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. <laughs> Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I am your host, Dave McHugh. We are into uh, almost finished with four hours, uh, five hours of the show. And no, we haven't gone loopy already wearing a tie on a polo. This is a pretty cool tie. It is, uh, well, orange and blue. Susquehanna colors, if you really want to be curious. 
It's tie-up for throat cancer, Susquehanna University's efforts. You might remember last year we had Frank Marcinic on the show. The team was having an outstanding season while he was battling throat cancer. Well, one of his players had had enough of that, let's say, and wanted to do something about it. And, well, they did something about it. They started a fundraiser, these ties, and got it going this year. I have a feeling it's not going to be something that's going to be around for the short term. Joining us on the City of Salem Skype, Hoopsville Hotline. It is Coach Frank Marcinic and Tyler Hoagland who came up with this bright idea. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having us, Dave. Uh, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, Coach, first I want to start with you. Uh, you look great. Not that you always never did look great. You always look great. Um, can you give us, everybody, an update on, on, on your battle with the throat cancer, where it stands now? Yeah, Dave, I'm doing terrific. Um, I had a PET scan and some MRIs and all those things recently, and everything has shown up to be very clean. Um, but that, they do keep a close watch on me. Um, I have another appointment on uh, February 14th, another one on March 2nd, where they'll continue to, to just monitor my progress. Uh, but at this point, um, in my mind, I'm cancer-free, and I uh, just need to take it kind of day by day. But I'm, I'm doing terrific, and, and thanks for having us on to raise awareness. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, and I'm glad to hear you're doing so well. Uh, Tyler, this was kind of the brainchild of yours, as it were. Coach, obviously, last season going through this, while well, you guys had an incredible season on top of that. Can you kind of give us the evolution of how it got from point A to point B, as it were? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I definitely can't take all the credit. I've definitely had a lot of help. There's been a lot of help throughout the community and here in the sports um, building here. But uh, Stephen Wydlick actually had a lot to do at the start of it last year. Uh he started by selling wristbands around campus. So we kind of started awareness last year with our team and got the word around campus that we're trying to fight this disease. And uh, we got some good leeway with that. And then towards the end of last year, uh, Steve put me in touch with Kelly and uh, we kind of started brainstorming for ideas for this year. And uh, the tie up throat cancer seemed like the best idea. Um, seemed like it'd be a bigger idea than wristbands too, something that we could take a little further and hope to raise uh, more awareness and raise some more money. I know it kind of uh, a little slow out of the gate, as it were, as most good causes, to be honest with. How do you guys think that, that it has gone so far? Um, it's definitely starting to go well now. We're definitely picking up. Um, we're starting to get more community awareness. Um, we've been advertising at our games. Uh, we spoke about it before one of our games. So I think a lot of fans in the community are supporting us. And we're also looking to reach out to a lot of the coaches in the area um, on top of the uh, professors in this school. So let's go ahead. Um, I'm wearing the tie, as we see. It's beautiful Susquehanna colors. What people may not be able to appreciate is there is a uh, subtle basketball in there, and then there's another design. I'm honestly, I don't. Oh, it's a tie. That's uh, our that's our tie up logo. Tie up throat cancer. Oh, okay, so it's a tie within a tie, which is outstanding. Um, I wore it last night at, at a game I was at. Um, people immediately noticed it was the Susquehanna colors, which is is how this is supposed to work. But from your point of view, Tyler, w what's would you want to see everybody wearing the tie or at least buying the tie? Would you want to see your opponents wearing it? Where, where's your ultimate goal with this whole thing? I mean, the ultimate goal is to sell as many ties as we can. Um, we'd like everyone to be wearing them. Uh, the coach, our coaching staff wore them uh, this past week for the coaches versus cancer game along with their sneakers. Um, and I think the orange and maroon, uh, and there's not many universities in the uh, nation that have those colors. So I think it stands out and, kind of gets the message across of what we're trying to do. It stands out for throat cancer. 
Coach, on your side of things, what does it mean to see? I mean, I knew it, it meant a lot to you last year when we talked that your team even stepped up in the first place to be supportive. You guys also had one heck of a season um, getting all the way to the Sweet 16. But what does it mean for guys who are out there selling wristbands to help you or or your own team like Tyler and others who are coming up with the, uh, these ideas to raise awareness, to raise funds, and in some way support you in, in whatever way they can discover? Well, support has meant an awful lot to me, Dave. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we have a really close-knit community at Susquehanna. Um, and obviously the coach-player relationship to me is, is extremely important. And uh, last year, Steve, uh, Steve Weidelich, who had been involved in a lot of other community service projects, uh, felt compelled to do something uh, for throat cancer. And he kind of took the lead. And Tyler is our team leader right now. And he's taken it to the next step. And it's uh, it's very heartwarming, to be honest with you. Uh, it's heartwarming that, uh, one, people care about me personally. And, two, it's heartwarming that people care uh, to bring awareness to throat cancer. Um, I think it's probably one of the cancers that is, uh, for whatever reason, maybe good reason, under the radar. You know, you hear so much about from the female side about breast cancer, which is just such an awesome cause. Uh, males battle other, other issues with prostate cancer. Uh, but throat cancer is uh, certainly something that unfortunately is on the rise. And if we can make people aware of it, particularly young people, um, we, we stand a chance to uh, uh, save some anguish and some suffering uh, possibly to some people down the road. So uh, anything we can do to increase awareness, increase funding and uh, you know, general visibility is great. And I'm really thankful uh, that we've been able to kick off this campaign. What's the reaction been like on campus from from both your angles? Because I know Frank, you see it from a probably a different angle than Tyler does. Yeah, from my side, it's you know again we it, it, last year with the wristbands, um, it was kind of at a time where I was not around campus to be honest with you. Um, but uh, while while we have had this going for a while, I really feel like last Saturday uh, was the primary kickoff, um, and we had a great response. I I, I had people call me text me, write me after the games, uh, you know, how can we help? I uh, had referees ask how they can help. Um, it's kind of ironic. A good friend of mine was at the game last week who was a referee, and uh, he was starting treatment for throat cancer on Monday, and he, he was kind of overwhelmed. Uh, that, that this, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't know anything like this was going on, uh, yet he comes to the game to support me because uh, I've been trying to support him through his cause. And I think he's another advocate for us uh, that, you know, hopefully uh, as he fights cancer and, and, and comes out on, on, on the right side, will be another guy that we'll, we'll go to bat for. So these things have a way of, of growing incrementally. You know, it starts, you know, as you mentioned, you know, with, with an idea and, and, and then it has a way of mushrooming, mushrooming so that, uh, um, you know, it becomes a, you know, a cause and a crusade. And uh, I, I kind of think that we're, we're moving in the direction of it being a crusade right now. Tyler, from your vantage point, what's, what's the campus reaction been like? No, I agree. The campus reaction's been positive. Um, I've had a lot of parents come up to me at games saying that they're really supportive of what I've been doing. And along with faculty and staff, a lot of people have been coming just not even wanting to buy a tie necessarily, but just donating to the cause. So I've had a few donations just from from the campus, and uh, all the students are really behind it, and they've been supporting me. So the reaction's been very positive. We're looking to grow it as much as possible. We're going to get more of the coaches, Frank, to be wearing these uh, these uh, fancy little ties here. Well, you know what's interesting? I've had a lot of coaches make donations. 
Um, they don't want to wear your colors. They don't want to wear our colors. <laughs> Especially when they're playing us. But I said, you know, you know, wear it when you're playing somebody else. But uh, um, you know, wear it casually. Wear it when you're you know, when you're going to church or going out to dinner or whatever. Uh, but but uh, they were a little hesitant to wear it on the sidelines. But uh, hopefully we can break through that barrier. Me personally, I think it would be a great honor if the coach was wearing the tie against you guys. I think it's a nice tip of the hat. That said, you gentlemen are coming to the Decker Sports and Recreation Center on Saturday where I'll be PA announcing as I have been for a number of years. I don't know if I can wear this tie there two nights in a row. It was already noticed. Well, I think you'd be a great example setter if you would, uh, <laughs> if you would wear it. And, uh, uh, you know, Tom, Tom Rose has been a great supporter yeah. of, of me personally um, through, through the last year and a half, um, as, as have all coaches. But, but Tom's been a great supporter, and I need to make sure I have some ties with me on Saturday uh, for uh, Tom and his staff. And if they won't wear them on Saturday, uh, we'll make sure that they uh, they don them at some, some other time. I'll make you a deal. I'll have it, and we'll see what happens. How's that sound? That sounds like a fair deal to me. Okay. You have to make a deal for me, though. Any chance you can throw a few shots the other direction? <laughs> you know My what? Kid. We might be able to do that without even trying. <laughs> I was going to say. I think uh, we had Elizabethtown, and the guy threw a pass. He was trying to throw the pass into the post, and and our guys did a great job deflecting uh, deflecting the ball. We were in it deflected right into the basket, and it was like at that time I said, "Okay, let, let, like things have not gone uh, according to plan this year." So it was like I saw the look on our players' faces and my staff's face, and probably my face. At which point I said, "Okay, uh, we need a timeout." Um, <laughs> some crazy things may happen on Saturday, Dave. That uh, I guarantee it will not be uh, not be part of the game plan. Sir, I'm used to that this season. Um, we're already there. Uh, Tyler and, and Coach, real quick before I let you go. This season, to be gentle, is the polar opposite of last year. Make this incredible run to the Sweet 16 last year. You have an amazing team that could have even gone further. You're struggling this year at 6-13. and 13. You knew the parts you were gonna, you were going to lose. I mean, it, it's not like you. I'm telling you guys anything that's surprising. Tyler, let me start with you. How hard is, is this season – now after so much success last year it's been an emotional um ride for sure but uh the biggest thing is just kind of getting everyone to continue to come together i mean we can't tear tear apart from this um things aren't going as planned we all see that but i mean being a leader my goal is just trying to get everyone to stay together and you just got to keep working to get better and look to the future i mean each game try to get better I mean, now we're just taking game by game and trying to improve on little things each time. Um, that's all we can do at this point. And trying to be the leader to keep everyone coming together is what I'm trying to do. Uh, Frank, you've been through the ups and downs of seasons before. This is nothing new. But how do you get this team prepared for the next five, including three on the road, Goucher, Catholic, Drew, which means, and then Scranton, Elizabethtown. You're, you're taking on a lot of those who are trying to get into playoff positions here. I bet spoiler roll would be perfect for you. Well, like we really believe in the process. I believe in it, taking care of what we can control. Um, you know, so we have a, you know, a two-hour time block on the floor today. We'll be in the weight room for an hour before. Um, all we're going to focus on is getting better at that time. Um, so we have work to do today. Um, I think that one of my sayings has always been, don't get too high on your highs, too low on your lows. And that was kind of something I tried to practice as I was kind of in a low point, you know, live in the moment. And, uh, you know, don't worry about yesterday. Look forward to tomorrow. And that's that's the approach that we take. And to say that we've not been disappointed, 
uh, would be a terrific understatement. Uh, our program's grown to a high level. We had high expectations. Uh, we've not performed to the level uh, that any any of us want to. And uh, all we can do is, is you know, use it as a learning experience and uh, and try to get better every day. And uh, and we lost that Juniata last night. Uh, did not play very well in the first half, but I thought we played terrific in the second half. You know, Juniata is. Uh, Having a great season, I think they might be at like seventeen and three right now. We, you know, it's a three-point game with a minute thirty to play, and they hit a huge shot. But our, our competitiveness and our uh, our toughness showed last night, and we just need to keep building on that. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. Thank you, Tyler, for the great idea, and Frank for coming on and being so open about your your battles the last couple of years. I look forward to seeing you guys on Saturday. Quickly before I let you go, where can um, people get more information and possibly get a tie themselves. You can get more information on the uh, gosusqua.com website. Go to men's basketball and there's a link which has, which has our order form. Just mail it into the university here and uh, we'll make sure to get ties out to whoever orders them. Perfect. Uh, Frank, you know this tradition and I'll leave it to either or both. Um, final thoughts to those who may be tuning in. Uh, first of all, I want to talk briefly on throat cancer and cancer in general. Um, I think we look so often to cure cancer. Um, I think that the more we raise awareness that uh, there are certain types of cancer, um, that, that by living a healthy lifestyle, uh, eating well, uh, controlling stress, um, knowing our bodies, uh, we, have, we have a chance to prevent. Um, and I think that there is so much time and energy spent on curing cancer, uh, but I don't think enough time and energy and awareness is spent on working to, to keep our bodies healthy, keep our immune systems very high so we can prevent cancer. I did not know that very well until I started uh, you know, my, my battle. And as I, as I studied and learned, um, I do think that there's a lot we can do individually um, to prevent cancer. Um, you know, eat healthy, stay away from processed foods, uh, stay away from foods that are genetically modified, um, stay away from your sodas, uh, you know, you know, Stay away from sugar and uh, try to control your stress. We live in a stress, stressful environment, but uh, um, need to find a way to control it. Um, sometimes, you know, there's positive ways to control it. Sometimes you need to go do something physical and chop some firewood or do something like that. But get that stress out. Don't let it build up in you. And uh, you have a much better chance to be eating healthy. Well put, Coach. Tyler, any final thoughts? No, nothing else for me. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you guys for being a part of the show. I appreciate it. And thanks for the tie as well. I will see you Saturday. Um, we'll see about the tie. Thank you. Very much. Dave, thank you for all you do. It's really, really great. As I said, hope to uh, see for, you in a tie for D three hoops. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you both of you. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. I'll look forward to catching up with you guys on Saturday and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you. And it is Frank Marcinic, head coach of Susquehanna joined by senior Tyler Hoagland. Uh, team may not be having the, the best of seasons, but they have the best of, of hearts and the best of minds with this tie-up for throat cancer. I wear it proudly, and we'll see. Maybe Saturday, too. When we come back, another student-athlete joins us, talks about his efforts in his own community using basketball as the catalyst. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Kenny Doss from Manchester joins us next. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, 
Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on the marathon as we have ticked into completion of four hours and it's five. Oh, no, no, no. We've completed five hours, tipping into sixth hour here on the show. Hope you're enjoying this marathon as we keep rolling along. A lot to cover, and we hope uh, you can either follow us live on YouTube or follow us on the Facebook simulcast. Ask questions in there if you need to. Uh, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, et cetera. Um, I want to thank uh, everybody who's come on the show so far, and we certainly appreciate all the all the time that they've taken. We're going to keep up with the theme here about student-athletes. just happens to be the way the schedule worked out today. Um, if you missed the story, an incredible story uh, recently by Joe Sager about – uh, Kenny Doss out of Manchester in the Great Lakes region using a program called Bridging the Gap Globally as a senior to try and help his um, his neighborhood uh, and, and improve his neighborhood. Certainly got my attention. I wanted to learn more about it. So joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is Kenny Doss of Manchester. And uh, Kenny, thanks for taking the time. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you reaching out. Absolutely. Uh, I can't imagine uh, otherwise. What drew you, I mean, we can read a lot in the story, but what drew you to trying to better your community? Um, and, and we should point out the, the community is, is the Chicago neighborhood of Englewood, which, if not many people are familiar, is certainly a, a rough neighborhood to some degree. I don't want to speak too much on that. You can speak better of it. But what, yes, what drew you to making a difference? Um, 
um, the thing that really drew me to making a difference is because, you know, when me, when the media portray the part of Chicago where I'm from, it's like one of the worst places in Chicago. At one point in time, I think they said it was one of the worst place, in, one of the worst places in the country, actually. But I just wanted to show them that, you know, it's more, it's more people like me where I come from, and not everyone, you know lives a life of crime or, you know, just do things like that. And the thing that wanted, that made me want to give back and help, I had a lot of obstacles uh, with Manchester being my fourth college that I'm at now, which I'm happy to find this school to be my home, which I will graduate next December. But I just had a lot of obstacles chasing a basketball dream and never really valued education. And uh, the last situation I was in, I was at a school in California, and I was homeless, living from house to house, uh, not eating every day, and I just lost love for the game. And I told myself, you know, uh, all the kids who who's back home in Chicago who's looking up to me and using me for motivation, which is the reason why I couldn't quit and just come back home without finishing school, which I had started. Um, I just wanted to help them not make the same mistakes that I made and not fall on their face like I did. You talk about the struggles that you had and the fact that the Manchester is your fourth school and that you lost the love of the game to some degree. What was the click point or the the tipping point for you to um, re-love the game to some degree but at the same time realize, wait, I can I can do more if I put – you know, if I step in this direction, what was that moment? So, I mean, I I don't I don't love me playing a game. Like I don't have the same passion for it as I did, uh, you know, growing up. But it was it was a thing where I can't preach to the kids that I'm mentoring to not give up on your dreams or uh, seek things through and never give up if I quit. Mm. So me pushing through my last two years and going through senior night to show my, my mother and my father all the appreciation for all the sacrifices that they made up until this point. Like now, I'm not playing basketball for myself. I'm playing for my hometown and my neighborhood and my mother and my father. So that's what motivates me every day to lace up my shoes. That's an interesting point of view. You almost want to prove that you're leading by example to some degree. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, you know, for some, that, that's not a, something that they can, um, what's the term, they don't realize or they can't put two and two together. When you're mentoring in your community, what's the drive there? And you talk about the, the roughness of the Englewood area of Chicago. I grew up on the near north side of Chicago, which is uh, to some degree polar opposite of where you grew up. Um, what... What is it about that community that you love so much that makes you want to fight for it? The thing is, is um, being from the neighborhood, I mean, you see that everyone is, is, is not how the media portray them to be. Mm-hmm. Like a, a lot of times what people don't what people don't understand is the reason why people do the things that they do in the community is in the community is because they're fighting for survival. Um, 
you know, it's a place where we don't have many jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I'm actually fighting to keep the schools open in Inglewood. Mm. Um, like, they're closing all the high schools down. Not to mention that the high schools don't have sports sports teams. They don't have homecoming dance. They don't have prom. There isn't any motivation to keep these kids into schools. And now you're closing them to send them into other schools and different neighborhoods and different gang territories. I mean, the kids are just doing what they need to do to survive, to put food on their plate. But if you sit down and talk to a kid who the media may portray as a monster, they don't want to do those things. It's just it's what they know. Is, is what's been passed down from generation to generation. And I feel like I have the power to, to change it because a lot of times what you have is you have the people who are successful from our community because, I mean, there are people who came before me who achieved great things, but a lot of times they don't come back because they feel like uh, I don't want to be a part of that madness that's going on. So... Who would be the person who make it and say, I'm willing to, to uh, I guess you could say, put my life on the line and, and, mm. and, and take chances in these kids and give back to show them that their lives could be, could be changed for the better. And you don't have to sell drugs or rob or be a pro athlete or a rapper to have the finer things in life and to, live a, a successful life how much I mean, to, to talk about this bridging the gap uh initiative that you've got you've gotten involved with is that something that you created or you've you've latched onto a group that's already there and helped bring them into englewood how does that all work and and what was why did that one make sense to you um versus any other options out there so bridging the gap globally is uh organization that my father and my uncle started um, uh, a little bit before me, like before I, you know, got conscious of everything that was going on in my surroundings in life. Cause at first I was just off chasing a basketball dream mm-hmm. and I never really focused on what they were doing. And when I came home and I wanted to help by my father and my uncle being at an older, in an older generation, they couldn't really reach the kids mm-hmm. how I could, because they they were my peers and they were after me so they they watched me grow up grow up as I watched them grow up so it was a connection there and I just came up with an idea and said you know let's start to put on tournaments for the kids and and get these different kids from different blocks in the neighborhood who who usually wouldn't talk to each other because you know is 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 very divided by gangs and you know if you from this block you can't come on this block. So instead of, you know, using violence to take out your anger, uh, let's get a basketball team that represents this block and you guys play against each other. Hmm. So, I mean, it was a very hostile place at first. Uh, the games were very intense. Everyone was on edge. But, um, like, late on throughout the week as the tournament developed, you see the kids start to interact with each other and see that, you know, he's just like me. He he likes basketball like I do. Um, we both, we like girls. I mean, we have the same things in common. Like, they starting to see that he's just like me. It's not about 
what block you from or what neighborhood you're from. It's about us coming together as one. And after every game, uh, we make the kids shake hands, uh, show good sportsmanship. And now what I see is when I'm going through the neighborhood, you see kids who, who would never go on this side of Inglewood is on this side because they built built a relationship through bridging the gap. And that's and that's what it's all about, just bridging bridging the city for us to come together as one to create a uh, a family oriented neighborhood. You're a former standout star in Chicago in basketball. That's that's not something to take lightly. Um, if, if you're a good high school basketball player in Chicago, you're somebody. Um, does that help in these conversations? And as you put it, your continued interest in at least trying to play keep the people in the conversation with you yeah it it helps it actually does help a lot because you know some of the guys who i play with who went off to play pro overseas you know i have them those guys in my corner a lot because those kids look up to those guys and you know i have a lot of friends who play uh high major division one basketball so i have those guys come back and just talk to the kids as well to let them know like you know it it, it isn't going to be a easy a easy thing to overcome being where you're from or you know taking advantage of education but you know everything just falls in place you know i got i got the guys helping out that i play with giving the kids that extra push and extra motivation and you know the kids could learn from them. Like if they don't value my words, they could value a guy word who they see playing on TV every Saturday or every um, Wednesday night uh, on ESPN or on the top ten plays. So it, 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 it helps me out a lot. You're two and a half hours away at Manchester. How hard is that to keep involved with the efforts going on in the city when when you're a, a somewhat of a distance away? I know it's not that hard to jump on the interstate. And, and get back into town, but uh, how hard is it to also be away a little bit? It's it's very hard because um, just recently um, I had to go out and stand with the students in the Inglewood community and go down to the Chicago Board of Education to fight to keep the the high schools open in my community, and I had a game the next day. Hmm. So it's like me going from that meeting, dealing with those kids, talking to them, hearing them out, about the struggles that they're facing in the community and having to drive back out here in the middle of the night to be able to get on the bus at 6 in the morning to travel three or four hours away for a game and have to get off the bus and play a game and then travel back on the bus. So, I mean, it it can be very hard, but, I mean, it's worth it just to see the smiles on those kids' faces I mean, it's, it's it's really unbelievable. Like, I mean, when I when I did it, I I, I understood what what I was doing, but just to 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 get the feeling like being appreciated by the kids and just them calling me and being excited about getting their grades up or them being excited about how well they played in the game, it's like it's 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 um it's an unbelievable feeling. Like. I try to push through as much as I can because I know that this is bigger than me. It's, it's not about me. 
you talk about having to go back and forth on the bus, which adds a whole other element to it. But you also have your academics. I'm assuming that you talk about being a basketball player to still drive home to the students about being a player. Getting your education, getting your degree, despite your struggles of going to multiple schools, but getting your degree is part of that example as it were as well so you've got to also stay on top of your academics to some degree that's got to be a challenge on top of all of this too yeah it's 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 a challenge but being here at manchester is great i mean i have the 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 best staff that i have ever seen like you they they're behind me they make sure i don't fall behind uh i go in and get extra help from my professors their doors are always open. Just some simple as me sending a professor a text at night telling them I don't understand something and we setting up a meeting outside of their office hours. Uh, it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. And when I transferred in, because I've been to so many different schools, I lost so many credits. Yeah. So when I transferred in, I only transferred in 32 credits, if oh, I'm not mistaken. Oh, man. Yeah, and... I was so far behind, and I remember sitting down with my advisor, and he was telling me, like, um, you know, you're going to have to complete an extra three and a half years. So basically I was transferring in as a freshman, which, which I should have been a junior. Oh, wow. And he put me on uh, a plan. We set out. We sat down. We mapped out all my classes, the courses I need to take, uh, helped me create good study habits. Now I'm only a semester behind, which I was supposed to have been two years behind. Oh, good so for with you. So me taking summer classes and me taking extra courses and putting in the extra work, having a great uh, staff behind me, my advisor, Joe Messer, uh, it's, 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 it's been wonderful. I, I love it here. Good for you, Kenny. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, there are regular student-athletes, me included, who would struggle with that kind of challenge in front of us, not even talking about going back and forth from your home area to try and help that community. Um, I could talk to you forever, um, though I suspect you got to be somewhere and we still have a whole other show still to go. But um, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this and, and to talk about the struggles. Um, I'm more than impressed with what you're doing in your community. I'm more than impressed with what you're doing on the floor and in the classroom as well. Um, continued good work. I assume it's it's a dumb question here, but I assume this is your life calling. This is what you will do to continue the legacy your uncle and your father set forward. Yes, sir. And I actually will be the youngest candidate ever to run for alderman of good the Inglewood community this upcoming election in 2019. Uh, getting into the political sc- I guess you're already in the pol- politics technically through all of this, but really getting your, your hands dirty as it were. Um, Here's the tricky question. Is it about making sure that community gets the very best, or will this ultimately start to expand outside of Englewood and try and make the city, the state, the region and stuff better as well? Or is that too hard a question to answer? Um, no, it's not hard at all. It's, it's to help out my community to bring hope, because I feel like someone from the community who knows the everyday struggles that we face in Englewood should be someone to control it it would be really cool to call you uh, alderman doss to be sure uh congratulations on what you're doing i really wish you the very best uh as one who still calls chicago home i really hope your success is worthy 
or is, 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 I'm being repetitive, is successful. But I really hope it works. And congratulations on what you've done so far. Thank you for taking the time. We always have a tradition on this show of giving the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, sir. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you all. Well, thank you, Kenny. Good luck. Good luck on graduation. Good luck on Alderman uh, if it works out. And uh, I hope the, the community of Englewood appreciates what you and your family have been doing. Yes, sir. Have a nice day. Thank you. You too. Kenny Doss joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Incredible story. We've had a couple incredible stories here so far. And I appreciate Kenny uh, talking about his. Yeah, sometimes those communities I know in the Baltimore area can also be twisted by what is seen by the bright lights or the single eye of a camera lens or the written notes of a newspaper article. And they're not necessarily inaccurate. They're just not telling the whole story. And uh, applaud Kenny for trying to make a difference along with his family. Uh, by the way, just a note on Manchester. They are 5-15 and 15 in the conference, or in overall 3-10 and 10 in the conference. Got a win over Franklin on uh, Wednesday night. Take on Transylvania. Coming up on the third, uh, thank you to Kenny for again for tuning in. When we come back, uh, where are we headed? I'm forgetting my own schedule. Oh, that's right. We will head down uh, into Virginia. Brand new gym. Halfway through a season. It's an interesting twist. Trine did that recently. Shenandoah is doing it now. We talked to their first-year head coach, Adam Walsh. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville on this marathon show. It's 3.30 Eastern time, which means we've been on the air for five and a half hours. Doesn't feel like five and a half hours. That's a good thing. Challenge is we still have six and a half hours to go, if memory serves. So a lot of way, long way to go. Um, Jay Cozen, who's a fan of Division Three and fan of the show, says, Dave, the day has been great so far. All of the guests, but the last three were unreal. Great stories, brought a tear to the eye. Keep it up. You're right. Last three, I'll even say four, because if we go back to Dixie Jeffords and the work she's doing is outstanding. But Claire Marburger at Luther, the, the gentleman at Susquehanna, and Frank Marcinic and Tyler Hogan, and uh, Kenny Dawson at Manchester, the, what they're doing for their communities and for themselves and whatever, uh, outstanding. So tall task ahead here, I guess, if you're a Shenandoah fan. Uh, new head coach Adam Walsh uh, is uh, got the program at 8-13 and 13 so far, 3-8 and eight in conference play. But more importantly, they're in a brand-new gymnasium. I saw this new facility as I was driving to Salem for uh, Stag Bowl. And I also saw it when I was when I drive for other things, but uh, it stood out to me. They're finally in it, and I'm always curious what's it like to kind of break yourself into a new gym, as it were, and uh, get things rolling, if that makes any sense, and uh, whatnot. What's it like to try and do all of that in a new gym? You're also a first-year head coach, so joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is Adam Walsh to talk about uh, a lot of things. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, uh, your your first season um, at Shenandoah. I know the job opening popped open, and I know for you this this it meant a lot to maybe come back to Shenandoah and try and do some things here. Absolutely, it did. You know, this is where I grew up. I'm born and born and raised here in Winchester. My parents still live here, same house I grew up in, and. Um, you know, it's something we've we've watched for a while just to see, you know, how progress of the program and where things were and timing's everything in this business and just kinda happened at the right time. Uh, wife and I just had a, a new baby and just felt like the right time to make a move and it was it's really exciting to be home, just the possibilities that, that are here and obviously part of what you want want to talk about with the new arena. Um, played a part in the, in the campus just growing the way it has over the last 10 years. It's got a lot going on here, so it's a really good time to be a part of the program. I was going to say, uh, it, for you, it almost feels like now you graduated from High Point. Um, yes, sir. But you, as you said, you're, you're, this is kind of your area, so you know Shenandoah certainly pretty well. You went to uh, high school in the area, um, and you've been down in Louisiana. I'll admit, when I didn't, put everything together, I went, whoa, what's a coach doing coming out of Louisiana to go to Shenandoah for? <laughs> um, that just feels a little bit not the road traveled or the road less traveled. Was it that simple that it's coming home, it's coming back to a place you know well? Um, is it that simple of, of a point? You know, I, every, you, you, try to, you try to be strategic in what you do in this business, but a lot of times it's just, you know, what's available when it's available and just timing. But there's a lot more than just coming home. I mean, it's it's joining the ODAC, you know, just the competitive nature of this league and the opportunity to be a part of such a special league and all the great coaches that are in this league. It, you know, it's it's a personal challenge for me to come home and, and be a part of building, rebuilding this program uh, since it's joined the ODAC and just the chance that we have in front of us um, with the new arena, with the growing campus, with the growing community. And 
the support that we think is there behind us. And I, it, it's a great time just all the way around. So it, it was a lot more than just coming home. I, I feel like the challenge of, of being in a multi-bid league, the opportunity that comes with being in a multi-bid league most years, um, the opportunity there to, to build something and be a part of something special. Yeah, the ODAC is certainly a challenging conference. You come out of an interesting conference, uh, <laughs> having been down in Centenary, uh, which a lot of travel. Um, ODAC's got a lot of travel by their definition, but by yours, you're probably laughing at them. Um, it's a, certainly a different dynamic to some degree. How much of a learning curve, though, have you had to, to go through to, some, to as you get used to you know, the ODAC and what it really brings versus the SCAC? You know, every league's different. And I think my first three years as a head coach, I was in three different conferences. And so just my experiences from that, and I think the opportunities um, to be in a region that I am familiar with help here. But every trip is new. You know, I, I haven't made these trips. I haven't traveled on the bus. I haven't taken the roads in a long time. And so just learning where to stay, learning where to eat, and all those things, you know, after two years in the league, I, I think I'll know more. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things where we don't play everybody twice. And so, you know, you learn some of the opponents. Mm -hmm. You learn some of the travel one year, and, mm -hmm. and you may pick up some of it the next year. And, you know, you, you might get comfortable in year two, you know, once, yeah. you, once you feel good about it. But I think knowing the area from being from here definitely helps and, and, and has played a factor in I feel decent about how we've done on the road. You know, obviously in ODAC play, we, we haven't quite been where we want to be, but I feel comfortable in the region, so that helps for sure. Uh, you're also into a conference with a who's who list of coaches <laughs> and their capabilities. Um, you know, you, you can talk about Virginia Wesleyan and, and Randolph Macon, Josh Merkel. You've got Clay Nunley at Roanoke. You've got uh, Dave Macedo, as we mentioned, you got Palumbo down at Guilford. I mean, we, we can go through a long list. Dave Wilson now with what he's doing at Emory and Henry. You didn't exact now. You had some good coaches in the SCAC, the Pat Cunninghams and the like, but you you walked into a whole different conversation here. Um, how how fun has it been to kind of connect with that fraternity? Really good. You know, everybody in the league's been really welcoming, and and it, it is a great league at the at the coaches' ranks. And it's been great to see the women's side too. I got to give a lot of credit yeah. to our women's head coach with what what Melissa's done with the program, and and they got a big win to open the arena last night. And so, you know, I think all the way around the league's just really impressive, and and everybody's you know open their arms. And obviously, it's a competitive league, and so they don't want you to do too well. But, <laughs> You're right. You know, <laughs> but but it's it's been fun to to get to know the guys and spend more time with them. I knew Josh a little bit coming in and, and had only met a couple guys just in passing. So it's been good to reconnect and connect with, with some of the others in the league. Uh, yeah, you're right. They don't, Hey, welcome to the, welcome. Hey, by the way, no winning. All right. right. Uh, you, <laughs> know your role. <laughs> um, you, you hinted at it and we talked a little bit about it. The new gymnasium is officially open. Um, I hate calling it a gymnasium to any degree, but you know the new place, as it were, is yes, open sir. and running. And it's got to be a little weird. Trine did this too, where they midway through the season switch places. So now the shot lines are different, the baskets are different, the floor is different, the the atmosphere is different. Um, even if it was made exactly the same, it's different. How yes. hard is that to adjust to? not only as a coach, but to get your, your players ready for such an adjustment. It almost feels like you're playing a road game to some degree, I'm sure, for a little bit of time. 
For sure. I mean, yesterday was the first time we had the table and the chair set up for the benches, and we had the bleachers out twice, but really not for an entire practice. And so, you know, lighting and, and having 1,200 people in there, it, it felt really good last night to actually be in there and to, to have that experience. We're really grateful to all the people that came out last night and just made the environment awesome for the for the opening night. I think it's, you know, you touched on it. There, there are absolutely challenges. I, I think sometimes human nature, you can, you can make challenges excuses or, you know, you can learn to deal with them. I mean, every game on the road is a road game, and, and you have to learn. You've, you've practiced in your gym at home before you go play that game, and you've got to be able to adapt. And we've been in it for six days, and, you know, no, it's not enough, but yes, it is. I mean, <laughs> you, you have to be able to, to lock in and get things done. And, and sure, it, it's definitely a different field than the gym we've been in. Um, Shingleton's a great place and had a great environment, and there's been a ton of amazing games played there. But this place is completely different, you know, completely different backdrops, completely different feel, you know, locker room setups awesome from, from what we were able to get designed here and, and implemented. And it, it had a big-time feel last night, and it's tough to move. I mean, middle of the year, is, it's not easy. It's human nature. You allow it to become, oh, this is hard, baskets are different, background's different. You know, and, and some of that stuff creeps in automatically just because, you know, it's a new place to play. And I think you have to – you talk about the positives and you talk about how you overcome that stuff every day. And the baskets are 10 feet and the, the hoop's the same size and you just got to put the ball in it. Showing the video of the construction uh, that we had online, just showing it being built. Um, I am sure you are a little bit of the envy, as is Roanoke College right now, of the ODAC for the great facility. Uh, was that a part of this draw too, uh, to, of coming and trying to get this job? Absolutely, no, for sure. I mean, just knowing that, I mean, Singleton arguably is bottom bottom couple of gyms in the league, and now we're in arguably the top couple of gyms in the league, and that makes a big difference. I mean, it's it, the the arms race of facilities and the arms race of college campus oh. development absolutely has trickled down. I mean, it's, it's at every level and, you know, kids are looking for different things in recruiting and it, and it should play a big factor, not only in recruiting, but also in retention. Yeah. You know, when you have, when you have your own space, you have your own locker room, you have the, the training room access, the laundry access, it, you know, a lot of stuff sounds silly, but it's, it's just simple stuff. And, and we have an amazing setup. We have a state of the art locker room and a state of the art facility and, our kids are in a great spot. You know, it's, I'm, I'm really happy that our eight seniors got a chance to play in there. Um, they've heard about it for a long time, and it was part of, I'm sure, part of their pitch coming here. And so just the ability to get them in there for these couple games is absolutely worth it. And I think it's, it's a great time to be a Hornet. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a time that our young guys will look back on and say, man, this was a, this was a point where – you know, maybe we made a turning point for the program, and we had a step for a step for something bigger and success-wise. You know, this is an opportunity for us to build on on the facility and what's going on on campus. Uh, the final game in Singleton was against Bridgewater. Uh, unfortunately, yes, it was a loss, but maybe that's <laughs> yeah, appropriate to some degree. Um, yes, I, I'm trying to think going through the conference. Uh, well, Clay's not going to be impressed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, nothing against it. Uh, you guys have right. now a facility very much like Roanoke's. Uh, right. I can't right. think of anybody else who might not be walking in going, 
Oh, wow. We need to get one of these. Uh, I know it's <laughs> early and I know that not everybody has seen it yet, but have you already gotten some reactions around the camp, around the conference? We have. I mean, there, there's excitement about it, obviously. I mean, people, people didn't like coming to play in Shingleton because <laughs> it was a tough environment. Well, it was a tight little just, 680 spot, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was a lot of excitement just from the league because when one of us gets better in the league, it makes all of us better. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that I've heard a lot of the coaches say in, in this league and just the competitive nature of this league. If, if, if one guy gets better, everybody's getting better. And I, I think that with this facility, you know, there's definitely some guys that are saying, man, this is great. You know, this is a good step for you guys, for the, for the, for Shenandoah as a whole and, and for the basketball programs and, and definitely something that helps the league moving forward. Interesting enough, on Saturday you'll be at Roanoke, <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, at the Craiger Center, uh, appropriately enough, and then home against Washington Lee and Lynchburg, then on the road at Eastern Mennonite and Guilford. Season isn't great at eight and thirteen and three and eight. Uh, you've got a number of seniors on this squad uh, who are certainly leading the way scoring wise. And Quad McDonald, uh, eleven and a half points a game. Jonah Meredith at eleven and a half points a game. Aaron P- Pater- Patterson. Uh, fourth on the list at 10.5 points a game, sophomore Christopher Chaney in the middle there at 10.8. So it's a senior class. You're going to lose some here. You're still trying to kind of develop things and get your own recruiting underway. I know we're a little bit of in transition here, but what should we expect for the future of this Hornets men's program, uh, not only in the new gym, but with under new tutelage now? I mean, I think just the development of the program as a whole, everything helps here. The, the campus is growing. The community is growing. The new facilities, a big recruiting piece for us. I mean, I, I expect us to be challenging for the league. I mean, I think it's a three- to five-year plan that has to be in place, and that's, that's the way we're approaching it. Obviously, we want to win every year, and, and, and our goal every year in this league will, been to, will, will be to win the ODAC. And I think that's something that bringing that conversation alone to the table is, is, is new and fresh for the guys that are, that are still here. It's a challenge for our seniors that every day we're talking about it. You know, how do, how do we next game? And obviously things haven't gone quite where we would like them to be in conference play, but I feel really good about the steps we've taken. I mean, let's, let's really be honest about our roster. I mean, we had two guys who averaged over five points a game in their college career yeah. prior to this season. And, you know, we got four guys in double digits, and, and we've been able to put some points on the board. We've had a really strong defensive showing so far this season um obviously not last night giving up 90 but (laughs) i think um you know we've taken big steps this year it was a team that hadn't played any man-to-man in a couple years and so we've been mixing in man-to-man with the zone that they were used to running just to kind of keep some some comfort there for them but i feel like we're taking steps uh ball screen offense four out spread offense kind of beeline style and then, you know, I've already said a little bit of defensively, but we've, we've been running ball screens and spread on offense and man-to-man, a little bit of pressure there on defense too. So, um, I know the other pressure, not that it isn't always on a, on a, a young coach, I mean young in the sense of in a program young year, amount of years, not yes, established sir. yet. Oh, the pressure to recruit is always there. Uh, but you're losing seven seniors from this squad. The pressure to recruit right. is there for a whole different reason for you guys. It's right. about making sure you got enough guys for practice. <laughs> no, there definitely is that. I mean, it, it's an exciting time, though, because I thought, you know, coming in and taking the job, I started June 1st and, and thinking, you know, with this many seniors, obviously, let, let, let's keep them 
you know, let's learn the area, learn the region, and let's see what we could get done recruiting. I knew right away that this was going to be a huge class for us numbers-wise. But the reality of, this, of the situation for every kid that we're recruiting is there's a whole lot of playing time available. And, and it's not just playing time, but it's also there's a whole lot of practice time available. And there, whoever comes into our program within the next couple months and commits and helps, move for, help us, helps us to move forward will be walking into a situation where they get to compete every single day. And we're not talking about JV. We're not talking about being the 17th, 18th, 19th guy on the roster. We're talking about being a guy in the mix right away. And I think that's appealing to some kids, and I hope it is. You know, but I think, it, I think it really is, along with what we have to offer as a university, and then obviously the new buildings attracting a lot of people too. So yeah. we're excited. Uh, new buildings almost driving me off the road when I'm coming down I-81. <laughs> It's a nice Jeez. billboard for us, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm used to the stadium being there and Scott promising to turn on the lights when I drive past. But, geez, on the way to football, I had forgotten about it, looked up and nearly drove right off the damn road. Uh, <laughs> now i got to get there. To, i got to keep reminding myself that you guys are an hour and a half or so from my house. i got to get over there for a game and at least see the new place. Uh, you got on. some games coming up. We might be able to make that work. Um, thanks for taking the time to join us. I got to let you go because I got, I'm a little behind schedule here, but I enjoy chatting with you and hopefully we're talking about success in the future when we have you back on. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? I just want to say a big, big thanks to you, Dave, for what you do with D3 Hoops. And just this, this marathon is just a perfect example of your opportunity that you have there to, to showcase you know, what, what we do and what our kids do and just everything that – D3 is about, so we really appreciate the spotlight and just your efforts. It's a big deal for us. Well, thank you. Uh, you coming on the show, as all coaches coming on the show or student-athletes, makes a difference for us as well, so thank you for doing that. And uh, enjoy the rest of the season. Enjoy the Crager Center. <laughs> enjoy your new place, <laughs> sir. And yes, sir. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. All right. Adam Walsh joining us from Shenandoah. The Hornets uh, may not have the most spectacular season. They now pretty much have a pretty spectacular place to play basketball. 8-13 and 13 overall, 3-8, and eight, but I suspect some things will be starting to turn around the other corner, as it were. Uh, going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to quickly try and get out to... Oh, I just had it written down, and now I've misplaced it. Um, I think we're going to talk to Chris Martin and Laura. Yeah, Chris Martin and Laura joins us via Skype. We'll talk to the... Uh, Laura squad and what is turning out to be a heck of an IAC race. You're watching Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoops Phil right after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. 
Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us. To look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One. More fans than... And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Standing here, if you notice a change in the camera angle, needed to, I needed to get out of my seat for a little bit. Got one of those cool standing sets that we put in a while back. Granted, we got a light pointed right at us, but we'll figure that out. Uh, you're listening to the Hoopsville Marathon. I am your host, Dave McHugh. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I think we've covered a lot of the bases there as best we can. Um, we're jumping around the country, as it were, and uh, having some fun doing it all at the same time. Going to switch gears, talk men's basketball, and talk to a head coach who's got a program in the midst of one of the more fascinating races in men's basketball. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of, uh, of the IIAC, um, to be blunt. Maybe maybe nobody can. Right now, North Nebraska Wesleyan, Buena Vista, Loris, all tied at nine and three in conference. Buena Vista and Loris at sixteen and five overall. Nebraska Wesleyan at eighteen and three overall. By the way, Simpson lurking. Joining us on the Hoopsville uh, City of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline on Skype. It is the head coach of Loris. It is Mr. Chris Martin. Sir, thanks for taking the time. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. And by the way, one of our uh, nice, we've had some nice setups on Skype. 
you're you're styling it there. You make sure you get the championship thing over your shoulder. You got a ball in the net. I love it. <laughs> hey, I'm not taking credit for that. Our uh, Jim Napperstack is the man over here. He does everything, and I think Division Three wise or at any level, the product he presents is unbelievable. So I'm not. I wish I could take credit for that. <laughs> I got the fancy ball, but he makes me look good. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on board. You you know where your bread is buttered, smart man, exactly. sir. Smart man indeed. Uh, Jim does a very good job. You're giving our studio a run for its money. Uh, again, you guys are having a heck of a season. It's been one of those where I sit there going, no, they can't. No, really? Um, yeah, you lost to Concordia, Wisconsin early in the season, back-to-back against Wartburg and Augsburg. I think at that point I chalked it up to, okay, do Hawks will have the, a typical season we're used to. Um, and then you beat Monmouth. Then you then Simpson tripped you up again. But then it was the overtime Went over Nebraska Wesley when I realized, yeah, things are a little bit different. Uh, you then backed that up with a win over Buena Vista. Now, Coe tripped you up uh, last weekend, but you got Nebraska Wesleyan, Buena Vista, Simpson, and Dubuque ahead, and this conference is wide open. What do we need to make of it? Yeah, well, we're going to find out here probably in the next two weeks, I think. I mean, obviously, we've got some big games. I think the top three teams in there. Um, with us being at BV and, and Nebraska Weston, we all play each other. It's a round robin. And so, um, you know, if any of those, any of the three of us can find a way to, you know, escape 2-0, and you put yourself in a driver's seat coming down with four or five games left. But, um, you know, it's going to come down. Not that every game, every game does matter. We get that. But we got to go to Nebraska Wesleyan next week. And we got BV in our house. And Nebraska Wesleyan and BV play each other uh, this weekend. And so, um, it's going to be some big time games and, and, you know, some implications, hopefully, you know, on the national stage a little bit that some of us can can run some off here. And if we don't win the conference championship, whoever that is, hopefully I can get a second bid. I think we're definitely deserving of that. Um, and, you know, I think our history speaks for itself. And since Wartburg last year finished sixth in our league, uh, goes to the Sweet 16. And, um, you know, had to get, you know, gave Augustana a run for their money. And like I said, they finished sixth in the league. And we've got some really good team, you know, being a, CCIW guy my whole life whether there's a player as a coach I always you know it was a CCIW WIAC and it was everybody else yeah and now that I'm over here sitting in this seat it's completely changed and I understand you know we two years in a row our our league's ranked fourth in the in the country uh based on the Massey rankings and this league's no joke you know having been in both places now seeing it um, the top teams in this league are, are incredibly good and I think can compete in, in the in the elite leagues and so uh happy to be here and, and we're going to find out um, what's going to happen in this race pretty quick. Yeah, it is a fascinating race, to say the least. And I know, yeah, you are. You're an Elmer's grad. You certainly know that CCIW well. I am kind of curious what drew you to Luther, or Luther, Loris in the first place. And at the same time, what was that moment that finally kind of, whoa, this is a different, this is a better conference than maybe a lot of people give it credit for, including maybe yourself? Yeah, you know, Loris has always been, I played against him as a player and then obviously as an assistant at Elmhurst coming over here. I got some good, great advice, a couple pieces of advice from uh, a coach, Mike Rhodes, who was at VCU as an assistant. He started Randolph-Macon, VCU, Rice, back to uh, VCU now as a head coach. He told me two things. He said, one, you got to be who you are. And no matter what, you can fake it till you make it all you want. But, uh, you know, who you are is going to come through. And then the second thing is never take a job that you can't be successful at. And um, I know Loris from coaching against him, recruiting against him, because um, when I was an assistant at Elmhurst, we went against him all the time. I knew that Loris is a place that can attract really good players. Our facilities are great. Academically, we're great. I mean, we just check all the boxes for a lot of student athletes. And so I know this is a place that, you know, it's not – 
a given that you're going to get those wins. However, it's a place that's set up for success. And our administration and athletic director, Denise, they do everything. They say, hey, what can we do to help you win? And they help us and they support us and, and they do what it takes. And they say, all right, now go win. And so you want those, you know, with, with pressure and you want that situation. I think anybody that's intrinsically motivated wants the opportunity to prove themselves. Um, and they've given us a good opportunity here. And so Loris is just awesome. It's I'm from the Midwest and it's only three hours from home in the central Illinois. It's three hours from the suburbs. And so um, going to a place that's awesome going to a place that you can win at, going to a place that's close to home for myself and my family. Um, it, it was just a great fit from the moment uh, this position opened up, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's it's certainly one that you've done very well with. Um, it It's kind of crazy how, you know, in two seasons you've seen such a quick turnaround. And in two seasons we've seen the IAC turn into nothing against it. But, okay, the top team's the best team. They'll make it to the NCAA tournament. They could do some things. Buena Vista has done that a few occasions. Now it's a deep conference. You have yeah. Nebraska Wesleyan, who finally decided to go D3, enter in and make things crazy. Buena Vista's in the conversation. You're in the conversation. Simpson has held themselves pretty well. We saw what Wartburg did last season. As a sixth seed in the conference, You know, winning the road games and going into the NCAA, making the second weekend, knocking off two behemoths and Benedictine in River Falls and not making it close. That, that helped mm-hmm. change the conversation in this conference. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the big thing is Nebraska Wesley, and they win a ton of games. You know, Dale does a great job with them, and he knows what he's doing. And adding that team in to the dynamics of this league changes everything. I mean, adding another team that you know is going to have a bunch of wins, and they know what they're doing. And granted, we'd love to have some wins against lesser teams, but you know, we want to, to be the best. You got to beat the best. And so we're you know excited that they're in, and they give us some credibility. And hopefully, the the us rising up and BV is always there. And we've had you know Dubuque down the road has been successful in the past. And so, I like I said, the top of part of this league is really, really good. And and seeing seeing Division three for a while now, um, I'm just like I said, I, I had no idea until I got into this how good and how well prepared uh, these coaches are and how well prepared these teams are. So um, yeah, we're excited. Like I said, being fourth in in the Massey rankings as a conference, I you know I wish we could get love from your voters a little bit more at the top. I mean, I think last year. Uh, not just us. I'm talking about our league. You know, last year I think we had one of the best records against the WIAC. I know from you know as our conference versus the WIAC, and I know from us we were five and one in the past two years against CCIW and WIAC. And you know this year Wartburg, who's who stumbled a little bit in the league, not to count them out. We learned that last year. I think they were three and zero against the WIAC this year. And so um, we're just a really really deep league. And I think sometimes people think you know it's just a couple teams, but uh, you know we're four, five, six teams deep this year. I think the real challenge for you guys comes in the sense that uh, you're in a wide open region in the West with the Northwest Conference in the Northwest. You have the Skyac, which is hard to read in the Southwest. You got the Mayac and St. Thomas that have dominated a lot of the conversations. You don't get a direct con- comparison to the CCIW and the Wyac because you're not in their region, especially with the Wyac having moved out. But it's come down to SOS numbers. To some degree, I've seen an improvement in that department. Uh, looking at your SOS number right now, unofficially, it's a 520. Uh, Simpsons is a 593. Warburg's is a 597. Granted, those numbers are going to change and, and, and shift and probably come southward. Yours may go upward as you have some good teams ahead. Nebraska Wesleyan's not doing any favors with a 486, but that's where a lot of this conversation comes in. The Massey's great, and, it, and it's helpful to some degree for a lot of people out there, but it's all about the NCAA numbers. What, is the, what do you think the conference needs to do to help keep improving that so that you can turn into what the CCIW and the WIAC are 
and that's a multiple bid conference. Yeah, I think the difference between that is, and and I think that's just you know WIAC. If you look at their eighth, seventh, and eighth place team in their league, you know, and there's conference standing, or you look at the bottom half of the CCIW, there you know CCIW bottom half teams are going seven and two and and six and three in the non-conference, and the WIAC might you know the bottom half of their teams you know playing eleven games might be nine and two or something like that. I think once we can get a little bit more balance in our league at the at the middle tier teams and the lower tier teams uh, on any given year which might be us at any given year as well once we can get some more wins I think we'll be okay you know it's hard Nebraska Wesley and I you know you look at their strength of schedule you know they flew to play three different games they go down to play uh, a team in Texas they go out east a couple games you know for them in their region it's really tough for them to get high level games I've talked to Dale a couple times and you know getting a CCIW team to come out and play in a tournament or for them to even get a home and home against a WIAC school or whatever has been a challenge for them and for us you know same thing you know for us to get you know a CCIW team and YX schools to do home and homes and have it fit the right system um, you know it's it's just not uh, it's just tough to find dates that fit you know I think a lot of YX schools run tournaments and we want to run tournaments and and just finding the right dates for those games to work or it, it's tough and um, so I think the biggest thing is we need to bring up our whole level of the league and get more wins across the board and we should need to continue to, to, to schedule tougher games. I think we've done a great job and I think most of the teams in our league play a really good schedule. Um, but as, as we grow and we get those wins and I think we're going to, you know, put ourselves up there with the best. Like I said, I, I say that as a negative connotation, but at the end of the day, you know, you got the big 10, the ACC, you know, the, the big 12, you got all those, those teams. We're number four in the country, you know, based on the Massey. So um, I'd love to be one, two or three, um, but there's only three schools that, you know, based on the numbers or three conferences that are better. And so uh, I think we're doing almost what we need to do. We just got to get a little bit better. Yeah, uh, the, playing UMAC and SLIAC teams is not probably helping the, the cause to some degree. I hear you're trying to get CCIW and uh, YAC teams. I, I have a great suggestion. There's a wonderful event over the Christmas holiday in Las Vegas called the D3Hoops.com Classic. We get YAC teams. We get some CCIW teams. We'd be happy to, to set you up in Vegas at South Point Arena and get you guys and any other IAC team who wants to show up. Warburg's been there and Simpson. Yep. We'd love to yep. set you guys and up and get you some we're, matchups. We're, we're, and we're we're open to that. We're looking at maybe going to Virginia next year. We're we're taking an awesome trip. We're going to go to Germany for ten days this wow. summer as a group, which is going to be amazing. You know, as I think every school probably says the same thing to you. You know, if budgetary issue, if budget budget things weren't an issue. I think every team in the country would be down there playing with you guys. And so yeah, you got to pick your poison a little bit and figure out what's best from giving these student athletes one the best chance for the postseason to play the best teams and two giving them the best experience while you know, paying the bills. And so we're, we're, every school, we're no different, is trying to balance those things. And, and hopefully, I, I'll bet in my tenure here at Loris, we'll get down there before you know it. Well, we'd love to have you. Let's talk about the team a little bit here and not lose focus on them. You're lay, led by Josh Ruggles. I think a lot of people love the last name. Uh, Josh at 21.1 points a game. Uh, his younger brother, we should point out, is also on the team in Jake. Um, Ryan DeCanio? DeCanio. DeCanio. Uh, 17 and a half points a game. Rowan McGowan, 11 points a game. Jake Toman, about nine points a game, eight and a half from Demon George. Um, certainly some good numbers there from some guys. Uh, DeCanio with seven rebounds a game leads the team. Your top assist guy is also DeCanio at 100. Um, and top steals guy is DeCanio as well. What makes this team click? Why is it working so well this season with this group? 
Yeah, there's a, I think there's a couple things that are really our strengths. And one is I think our team is just so incredibly unselfish. You know, we're number three, I think, in the country in assists. And, um, you know, that's just the way we're built and that's who we are and going through the recruiting process with these guys and new guys uh, and just, you know, taking the guys that we've had and saying, hey, if you want to be in a superstar system where you're going to get, you know, 40 on balls as a point guard, um, we're not that system. And we tell people that and that's just not who we are. We don't care who scores on any given night. We've had tons of different leading scores. At the end of the day, we just want a bunch of selfless guys, and that's what we have. We got a bunch of guys that don't care who gets the accolades and who scores the points. Ryan DeCanio last night had 37 for us or 38 for us last night, um, and Josh Ruggles only scored seven. But I would say, you know, Josh Ruggles was unbelievable, drawing so much attention um, on one side of the ball that they were just face guarding me, opened up things for everybody else. And Josh doesn't care about scoring a million points. He's very capable of it, and we know he can and will. But at the end of the day, he just wants to get a win. He's just, at the end of the day, just wants to win games. And I think that's the – that's the biggest thing, the biggest strength for this group is um, on any given night, we're running plays and sets for guys down the stretch, and it's a different guy every night. You know, last night it was Ryan early in the game, and then at the end of the game, we were going to Matt Dacey, a guy coming off the bench. In the middle of the game, we were going to Roland McGowan, quite a bit, a freshman shooter. And so um, the selflessness of this team is really what I feel like separates us from some of the other teams that I've been a part of. And uh, really proud about that. Really proud about these guys. Uh, they're doing pretty well. Real quick before we let you go, again, at Nebraska Wesleyan, home against Buena Vista and Simpson. By the way, people who know this show well should realize I have now said Buena Vista on this show many times without a problem. Uh, they used to be my Achilles heel. Uh, and then Dubuque on the road. That's how you finish up. Uh, Nebraska Wesleyan, Buena Vista, Simpson, Dubuque. A lot on the line. What's the message to the team moving forward? Yeah, we're same message I think a lot of coaches give and that we give is just the next game. And it granted it the next game's at Nebraska Wesleyan. It's a big one. We know we can get tripped up on any given night, but I think our guys have done a good job of staying focused one game at a time. And so we know that we might as we might very well be playing for a conference championship uh, at Nebraska Wesleyan, hopefully, if we if we win some other games. But we're just going to take it one game at a time, one play at a time, and, and we talk about first five minutes, next five minutes. And so just staying focused at the task at hand. I think our guys do a good job of staying grounded and humbled and um, not looking too far ahead. We like to talk about it. I know Jim loves to talk about it, put it out there in social media and all that good stuff. But for our guys, uh, they're pretty level-headed, and we'll continue to uh, just focus on the next one. Jim, enjoy talking to you. I, uh, Jim, you mentioned Jim, and it got into my head. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, I, I enjoyed talking to Jim, too. Um, yeah, he's great to talk to. I yeah. agree. Uh, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about the squad. I'd talk to you more, but we got to get going with the rest of this marathon. But yeah, um, sure. uh, incredible season you guys are having. You know, Again, breaking out um, in the last few years under your tutelage has certainly made a difference, and we appreciate you taking the time to talk about the Duox. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word, final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in. Yeah, thanks so much. First of all, thank you so much for everything you do. Uh, it's unbelievable the coverage you guys give us. And if it wasn't for you, I don't know if we'd ever get it on the national stage. But the second thing is, you know, I'll pivot a little bit. The most valuable, you know, just coaches in general, and it's not just my family, but I just want to thank all the families of coaches, uh, especially, like I said, my wife and my family. Um, we get to go to work every day and hang out with some of my best friends, whether it's Jim or my assistant coaches or Coach Heinzen or RAD, um, Denise. You know, we get to come and hang out all the time or be with my guys on the road, and that's fun. I mean, they pay us to do this. It's crazy. But, you know, our wives, our husbands, if you're uh, a women's coach, um, you know, it's hard for 
um, them at home to take care of stuff. And they, you know, they're just piecing it together. They're making sure that we get to do what we do. And I can't thank my wife and my family for the sacrifice they give to us, not just four months of the year during the season, but even in the off season when we're gone every July, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes the sacrifice that they give to let us do what we love to do. They don't get thanked enough. I try to thank my wife every chance I get, and it's still, I, I come up short every day. And so, um, I think all the, all the spouses out there need a big shout out and love, especially my wife, Haley, who I couldn't do this without her. So, um, just want to thank all the coaches, uh, spouses out there. I that's, think that's well important. put. That's well done, sir. Uh, thank Thanks. you. Uh, I got to thank my spouse too. I think is upstairs right go. now with the and kids. And yours. You're, you don't take any days off either. You might be, you <laughs> might definitely need to thank them as, as well as all the support staff. And I, everywhere. Get, I get paid a lot less. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. That Chris, is true. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking about not only uh, the Dewhawks, but the IAC in the future weeks. Hey, thanks so much, Dave. Absolutely. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline via Skype, it is Chris Martin from Loris. we got to get going. Guess what's coming up next? We're going to talk about the basketball tournament. Do you know about the basketball tournament, that $2 million prize thing that goes on in the offseason? D3 is getting a foothold into it. How? We'll talk about how D3 is fielding a team. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this.